It's Thursday, April 30th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, and joined as always by our tri-beat writer, Paul Hoynes. Uh, shortly, we'll be joined by our guest, Nick Wickburn from the Cleveland Indians. Uh, Nick's down in Florida, and we will be chatting with him after the, uh, the 2019 season he had, Paul, uh, joining the Indians in, in April and, and sticking with the club the rest of the way. He became really uh, an important member of the, the back end of that bullpen. Yeah, very versatile guy, uh, can pitch in the late innings. You know, he's got a lot of experience saving games, not in the big leagues, but in college and the minor leagues. And that really came into play for, for the Indians. I think what he had 12, 12, uh, uh, 12, what, uh, I forget. <laughs> what are they 12 called? Holes. 12, 12 holes. And right. uh, led the club. Yeah. Four saves, won five games. You know, really good strikeout to uh, walk ratio. I, I thought, he, he, you know, he was a good find. A, a typical Cleveland Indians kind of pickup, you know, kind of under the radar reliever. All right. They traded for him uh, early in the season or, or in the offseason in February. Uh, it was a, a minor deal with uh, with the Marlins. Uh, they, they got him. And, you know, you, you really weren't thinking much of it at the time, but he turns out to be a big part of the the bullpen throughout the year. I think between him and uh, Tyler Clippard last year, they, those, those were the two arms that really sort of saved the bullpen and, and set things up and, and, you know, at least gave them a chance to win 93 games. Uh, yeah, so you I, know, especially late when, you know, hand had this, you know, the tired arm and uh, those guys, you know, really pitched. They, they did a nice job for him. All right. Yeah. You talk about his versatility. He, he pitched more than an inning in 18 out of his 55 outings. So, you know, that's a, a guy who can not only just give you – come in and give you a clean inning, but he can go multiple batters or set set innings up, uh, you know, righty-lefty like uh, like Tito liked. But, you know, that's obviously going by the wayside <laughs> this uh, this next season with the three-batter rule. Uh, so, you know, look, looking forward to talking to Nick. He's also got uh, a 14-month-old son in, in Jackson who uh, – uh, is all over Nick's social media. He's a he's a fun kid. Uh, sort of watch him uh, grow and develop. So we'll uh, we'll ask him about that, and we'll we'll talk to him. So when we come back, we'll be joined by Nick Wickren, reliever for the Cleveland Indians. All right, we're joined by Indians reliever Nick Wickren. Nick, good to talk to you. Have you here on the uh, Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast? Uh, where are you joining us from? Uh, where are you guys in isolation with uh, you and your family? We're down here in uh, in Florida, down in Jupiter, so we're hanging out. Today's actually the first stormy day it's had in a while, but we needed that rain. Uh, yeah, I, I noticed. On, uh, been following on social media. You guys, uh, you spent Easter. Uh, you know, you dragged a pool out in the driveway and and had the little guy uh, running around and 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 you know playing a little bit. So I've uh, been enjoying a little bit of family time, even though uh, you you've been away from baseball. It's still good to you know, sort of be there with, uh, with, with the wife and kid. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's, that's one of the, you know, one of the only kind of good things that came about this was a little bit more family time. I'm able to watch him grow up and, you know, he's learning so much. He's about to be 14 months. So he's picking things up left and right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it was kind of like last year, you know, we'd go on a seven day road trip. I'd come home and he'd all of a sudden like say something new and, or, you know, start crawling or something like that. So it's kind of nice actually seeing everything firsthand now. Yeah, that's great. That's what, nice. what's, what's a day like, Nick? What, what, what's a typical day like for you? Uh, a normal day is honestly wake up uh, usually around 6.30, 
kind of get the coffee ready and get the energy juice going. But uh, then after that, uh, hang out in the morning with my wife and son. We always go on a walk around nine o'clock, uh, go for about four miles, and then come back, play with the old man. As soon as he goes down around, you know, 1030, 1040, then I'll work out uh, and throw afterwards. And then after that, you know, it's kind of up in the air. Sometimes we go for another walk just to pass some time. Other times we take out the water table and like you were saying, the pool that you saw, uh, you know, Jackson loves being in the water. So we kind of just try to do that as much as possible. And then he goes up for another nap. And afterwards, uh, we kind of just kind of try to have a quiet night to get him to calm down and get some, you know, get some good rest around 7.30. Now, you, you mentioned working out there. Uh, you have a, a pretty extensive uh, home gym. A lot of the guys, you know, are, are stuck in, in whatever situation they're in. But you, you for you to be at home, you, you've pretty much constructed a couple of years ago a, a really nice uh, extensive home gym where you can, can work out every day. Yeah, so, you know, my wife and I are fortunate enough that we were able to do this and put it in our garage, but we have essentially everything you need. And uh, honestly, I I mean, work out four times a week, upper, lower, upper, lower, and then in between have two movement days. So I'm down there six days a week uh, during the off season, and then right now as well. So it's kind of kind of nice. I feel like I haven't skipped a beat because then, you know, I go throw a bullpen, I uh, throw into a net in the backyard out here on days I don't throw bullpens. So I'm just uh, just waiting word until we have something going. Do you have any like throwing partners or is it all just you you in the net and exclusively? No, it's just me in the net. The only time I ever throw to someone else is uh, during a bullpen. Other than that, right now, I'm just sticking with the net. I put a few targets on there so then I can, you know, I'll pick one out and be like, all right, I'm going to hit this one, this pitch. All right, I'm going to do this on this pitch. So that I'm still, you know, working on location and having a mindset on every single throw. But other than that, you know, the only other time I play catch with anyone else is in a bullpen. Where, where do you throw the bullpens? Uh, Cressy Sports Performance. They, they have a really nice setup down here, and it's really, really well run. And they have, you know, really good protocol where no one's really around each other at the same time and stuff and only you know two people on they have three mounds so only two people on a mound at a time so then there's that space in between and stuff but I mean it's it's really nice and uh you know Eric writes my programs during the off season as well so it's just nice to have him around and we're lucky that you know we're down here 15 minutes yeah. away I, I I recall you know back to April of, of last year when uh when you first got brought up uh, to the Indians uh, to the major league roster, you'd started the season in in Columbus uh, briefly, but uh, that was a, that was a pretty crazy day there. Uh, you know when you joined the team in in Detroit, and and I believe uh, Ashley, your wife and and son, you, like newborn son, like a month old, and she drove up from Columbus to meet you in in Detroit for the game. Uh, oh yeah. you know, What was that like? What was that? Uh, it was, you know, it's kind of, it was kind of exhilarating. My wife, I think it was like a three and a half hour drive or something like that. And my wife just sat there and goes, I mean, it's three and a half hours away. I have nothing else to do. I might as well. <laughs> so she made the drive and I was like, all right, like, that's fine with me. I'd love to see you guys. So 
it was uh it was nice though because you know that first game I didn't get in on I believe on the ninth I didn't get in and then mm-hmm. on the tenth I believe was when you know I came in after Trev right. threw and uh through like the one hitter in the seventh and then through the eighth or yeah. one hitter in the sixth and through the seventh, something like that. Yeah, four but, strikeouts, uh, right? I think you had four strikeouts. In your yeah, team. except for it was on 31 pitches for an <laughs> inning and a third. <laughs> well, uh, then, then we jump ahead a week, uh, you know, uh, April 17th. You go out, you're in Seattle, and Cookie throws uh, seven innings, and he's just lighting everybody up. He's uh, 12 strikeouts, and uh, you come in for the, the eighth and, and ninth, and you wind up pick, picking up your, your first big league save. Do you remember – who you faced in that ninth inning in that game because uh, all three of them have uh, Indians connections now. So Domingo was first and he flew out to center, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, the next guy it was Jay Bruce. Was Jay Bruce. Yeah. Jay Bruce. Jay I faced. And then uh, obviously Edwin at the end, which that two Oh pitch, I, I still laugh about because I, after, after that, after that game, all I could hear about was how everyone was like, man, we were hoping you didn't throw a 2-0 breaking ball because he kind of sets people up sometimes that way <laughs> where if you get 2-0 on him and you've kind of gone like up and in or thrown the same pitch twice or something, then he, he'll just sit on off speed. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of tell in the video, like if you rewatch it, he was right. really mad at himself. It's it's uh, funny it's funny that you say that because I right before we got on this call I went back and watched that specific at bat and you know the the two zero breaking ball was was like who you, you got through it and then three uh, two you threw him uh, you missed your spot on the on the three two pitch and do you, do you remember your reaction when he fouled that pitch off his foot all all I could say was the hack he took the swing he took. And when I saw it go down and off his foot rather than up and over the fence, it was a blessing. <laughs> you, you, you jumped on your follow through. You jumped when you reacted when he uh, he fouled that ball off, and I, I was like, oh, I might want to ask him about that. That was pretty good. But yeah. uh, you know, but then to finish him off and get your first major league save, that had to be exciting. Yeah, definitely. And you know, facing facing those guys in the middle of the lineup like that and stuff. And uh, I think at the time they had what was it, 17, 18 straight games with a home run, too? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were rolling. That's so when... I, it didn't cross my head, but I talked to a few friends, and all my friends were like, man, I couldn't help but to think, you know, they had like 17, 18 straight games with home runs, and they were having the magic, you know, kind of happen for them at the time. And they were like, we definitely thought something was going to happen with Edwin on that last at bat. <laughs> I was like, oh, thanks, guys. Like, no faith in me. But, <laughs> yeah, luckily, you know, I threw it up and away to him, and he swung through. I don't know if he was, you know, thinking off speed right there after uh, that 3-2 heater that he fouled off. But, I, uh, you know, I got it and kind of got the first one out of the way in a pretty good fashion, you know. Cookie set everything up, though, I'll tell you that. The way he pitched throughout the whole entire game, just set up for any reliever that was going to come in afterwards. He was pounding strike zone. He was getting ahead. You know, he was hitting his spots. So once when an umpire is calling strike left and right, he kind of gets a little strike happy and you're able to expand and stuff. And so Cook did a great job for seven innings doing that. What do you think uh, – what do you like about closing? I know you've had a lot of experience at Purdue and, 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 and in the minors, but not, you know, not so much in the big leagues. 
Yeah, uh, you know, minors, I think I have like 80-something saves. And then at Purdue, obviously, I, I close uh, the whole entire time there. But it's just a lot more – it's – I don't know. I like having the ball in my hand at the end of the game uh, or any time, really. But uh, it's just one of those things that, you know, I've been doing it essentially my whole entire life now of college and professional uh, baseball. So it's kind of one of those things that – I just got used to, and it's just, I don't know. In my head, it's its not any different situation. Rather, if it's, you know, second inning, getting the three outs there, or ninth inning, getting three outs there. You got to get three outs one way or another. It just happens to end the game. You you mentioned uh, some of your time in the minors. You, you spent uh, a, a few seasons, parts of four seasons in the minors with the Marlins, uh, with their New Orleans club. So, uh you know, are you a big fan of Jambalaya? What's your, what's your favorite thing about the city of New Orleans? Uh, downtown, they have this – oh, my gosh, what's the restaurant called? Um, I think it's called Redfin or something like that, a restaurant downtown that, you know, Ashley and I would go to every time she came to visit. But the food was just incredible down there. So so different, just awesome. Did, did, yeah, you, you had the little, little donuts, the beignets, is that oh, what they're called? Oh, the beignets? Oh. Yeah. Almost every day. Load up, yeah. <laughs> As you got to double up on the workouts after you have those. Exactly. Hey, Nick, uh, is there any – can you carry over what you did in spring training, like, you know, in February and, and April – I'm February and March, or is, you know, if and when you guys go back to camp for however long it is, will it be just – will it be like starting over? No, I don't think it will be starting over, especially because a lot of guys, you know, they got into that mentality. We were, I think, 11 or 12 days out of the regular season. So everyone's head was basically right there, ready to go rear in. And at least for me personally, you know, I, I took a, I think six days off once when everything was said and done and like, Hey, go home, see ya. Uh, I took six days off and then picked back up. And now, you know, I'm, I'm throwing bullpens and in my bullpens, I'm full go with the rap soda and stuff, looking at all those numbers and everything. I'm, the usual, you know, 91, 92 right now. And if you throw a hitter in there, it's essentially going to take up a mile or an hour or two. And that's the same thing, you know, going into spring training every year. I'm right around there. And then my first spring game, I'll be 93. So it's kind of, you know, for me personally, I think everyone's ready to go and we'll be ready to go as soon as things start up. But, you know, it's just a matter of when. You talk about carrying those numbers over from from or, you know carrying that feeling over from spring training, the the success that you you sort of had last season. You know how how important is it to to sort of get yourself back into that mindset and carry that over into this year as well. You, you sort of found that consistency at, at at you know right from the from the beginning. You, you were there. The first uh, I think eighteen of your fifty five outings were were more than an inning, so you were. You were getting consistent work, and uh, you only allowed two out of your 27 inherited runners to, to score on the season, which was best on the on the club. You know, what do you need to do to sort of copy that, repeat it, and, and have it sustain in, in 2020? Honestly, uh, just keep my routine. The routine I had last year of, you know, matter of going to the ballpark at a certain time, uh, getting my workouts in at a certain time. I started actually last year was the first year uh, Joe Kessler and Nelson came up to me and asked me if I always lifted after games because there are games that, you know, we'd play and it would be 10 o'clock at night, 1030 at night. 
and then I'd go work out afterwards and then I'd be showering and out and leaving around midnight, midnight 30. And they were like, well, you know, do you always work out afterwards? And I go, that's just all I've known. Like I've never, I've never tried working out beforehand. So I started working out before games, getting there, you know, around like 1230, one o'clock, working out then, letting my body relax, going out, playing catch with all the pitchers and stuff, shagging BP, coming back in, letting relax. And I just felt like I was a lot looser for the games as well. Like my workouts and everything beforehand kept me loose and kept my body just, you know, kind of going and stuff throughout the whole entire game. So I don't know if that had anything to do with it or not, but that was one of the main changes that I made last year in, you know, just my routine wise. And other than that, my routines through, you know, 16, 17, 18, and then last year were basically the same down the bullpen between my stretching, the times I, you know, rolled out and did everything like that. So, uh, but yeah, really the main change was just the weight room. And I think, you know, just stay on that and, keep my mindset the way it was last year and should be good. Do you, uh, you know, you always hear managers say, you know, when they start the season, well, we'll see how the bullpen, you know, kind of plays out, who, who kind of settles into what position. Is that how you approach it? Or did you, when did you feel like you had kind of a set spot in the pen last year? Uh, it was probably after that Seattle game, to be honest with you. Uh, up until then, I came into that Detroit game, you know, obviously first outing being up there after missing the first, you know, two weeks of the season, uh, you're not just going to get thrown right into the fire at all. You know, Tito does a good job of just slowly getting you in there and stuff. But, you know, I, I was pitching well and had my confidence high. And then after that game was kind of when I slowly started being more of that back inning guy and later inning guy and then, you know, coming in with people on. And I think just, you know, proving to Tito and everyone that when guys are on, I was able to, you know, stop the damage and uh, kind of get us out of it and keep the score where it was and everything. I think just after one or two times of doing that, they gain some trust in you uh, and, you know, just let you go. And that's, you know, really what happened. Cool. Hey, wanted to mention uh, you were one of uh, a handful of Indians players who stepped up, uh, you know, right at the, the start of this pandemic and, and donated to Project Home Plate, the effort to make sure that, uh, you know, kids don't go hungry uh, during this, uh, the isolation and all that. Uh, and, and you also uh, do a lot of volunteering and, and uh, you know, make stops at the, the Cleveland APL. You're real passionate about animals as well. Uh, you know, what 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 about the the idea of giving back? Uh, you know, appeals to you as, as you're a member of the Cleveland Indians. Well, I mean, Cleveland's has just done so much for me and the city, the fans, everyone. So giving back is you know kind of the least I can do right now during this time. And uh, it's just they come and support us, so it's our time to come out and support them. And you know, I gotta give it to Brad Hand. Brad Hand was the one that you know. Uh, texted me about it and stuff and brought it up and mentioned it. I would have had no, no idea if anything was going on, if he didn't, he didn't do that. So, you know, he was the one that stepped up and did that. But uh, yeah, I just, you know, supporting the, the fans and everyone around Cleveland and then everyone in the world right now, just kind of, you know, any little, any help is better than no help in my eyes. All right. 
so you grew up grew up in Southern California early before you moved to to Indiana. You were a big Lakers fan. Uh, you know, obviously, were you, were you a Kobe fan? Was that Lakers? Where Where'd you hear that from? I, I wasn't not a Laker fan. No, I mean, I was a basketball fan at the time. Honestly, I was I was an MJ fan. Okay. Okay, so so obviously that, I, it, this is all leading to me asking about watching watching the documentary The Last Dance. Obviously, everybody's talking about that. So oh, yeah. I just I just wanted to get your take on on all that. I you know I, I didn't didn't mean to stay reading through the the media guide just where you find you know where they're where they're from and all. If oh, you're good. Don't worry about it. Uh, yeah, I mean I've been watching. It's been awesome, absolutely awesome. And first off, the soundtrack on that is a hit. <laughs> <laughs> Holy cow! There's some old school songs and just tracks on there that it, it's they did a good job so far. Well, what was your reaction when you first saw them like start cussing on ESPN at nine o'clock? I mean, I, I uh, the last couple episodes with with MJ, you know, just like you know dropping f bombs left and right. I, I was I was shocked. What was your reaction when you saw that? I mean, honestly, I kind of didn't like. I didn't really flinch with it at all. I don't know. It's just. I don't know. I just kind of – I looked at it and I just kept watching. I think I was too caught up in what everything was going on, you know, like Rodman's little trip to Vegas and stuff like that, <laughs> that I probably didn't even catch it, to be honest with you. Who uh, who on the uh, – who in the clubhouse, who on your roster would, would take a Rodman vacation uh, right now? <laughs> would, would you think would even do that? Uh, you take can't... a Rodman vacation? I don't think anyone on our 48 team. 48 hours in Vegas. No, no one on our team would want to miss a game. No one would want to miss the practice. So uh, for him to do that and then come back and still play as well as he did and everything, I mean, that's just – it takes a different kind of animal to do that. Uh, yeah, the uh, – so you've been watching, obviously, The Last Dance. That's a, a, a great way to fill some time. It's, it's definitely a departure from Moana. How many times have you seen – Moana in the last uh, two months, and do you know her? Name? I just I just finished it for the second time today. <laughs> uh, but I think we're I lost count. It has to be at like fifteen, sixteen, seventeen days straight now. Oh man! So I mean, it's not a bad movie though. So that's <laughs> that's it. That's, <laughs> that's it. All I didn't know is if you were a fan already. That, that's <laughs> yes, I I am a fan, but. I can definitely – I would not mind one day without it playing on TV. You've got the rock singing uh, singing musical songs and everything. So yeah. it, it, it keeps Jackson entertained. He loves it. He'll literally stop in his tracks and just stare and <laughs> just not move for two hours. So it's when we need to get, you know, some stuff done around the house, cleaning, you know, stuff like that, or cooking dinner, toss it on real quick. And, you know, we don't – we try to keep the TV off the whole entire day until nighttime and only allow, you know, a little time for him to watch it. So it's it's his little treat. Nick, have you stayed in touch with teammates or, your, your, you know, different pitchers, different teammates by Zoom or anything like that? Uh, Zoom, we, we've had, like, some meetings and stuff yeah. uh, through it and just kind of, you know, talked and see, you know, where everyone's at. And obviously we have texts going left and right just catching up, seeing, you know, how everyone's feeling and that kind of kind of thing. Uh, and then, yeah, that's, that's really it. Just kind of the usual. When you think about a season or 
What, what, what would qualify as a legitimate season to you when you see the different plans that have popped up or ideas that have popped up? What, what's intriguing to you? I mean, is it the Arizona thing or the latest thing with the three divisions, 10 teams? Or, you know, how do you feel about that? The latest one that came out, the three divisions with the 10 teams in each, I, I mean, me personally, I like that idea just because we're at our home ballpark where it, can, it just feels a little bit more normalized where everyone's living in Cleveland, you know, we're going to the stadium there rather than if we did, you know, the Arizona deal and all that kind of going to Arizona. I don't know. I, you, you're going to have to be a little bit more mentally strong out there. One, the heat and how hot it's going to get during the summer. But then two, you know, it's at first it's going to almost feel like spring training again, going and playing right. out there and doing that because that's the only time we're ever out there. So the first few games might be a little, you know, a little weird, but it's kind of just one of those things. You got to be a little bit mentally strong and power through, but the three divisions in my eyes is, is probably the, uh, the most normalized way to go about it. I have no clue which one's the easiest to do or the best option to do, or even if anyone's any one of them is feasible at the moment, uh, you know, with just everything with the virus going on. So, but in my eyes, I, I like the three division one just because you're, you're back home in Cleveland, going to your home ballpark and doing that. Great. Uh, Paul, you got anything else? I got one more, one more thing to throw at him. With, with, hey, Nick, with right-handers, you had so much success against them last year. What, what makes you successful that way? Uh, I throw across my body quite a bit and I also, you know, I kind of flare up my left side and flare it up and hide the ball well. So all that mixed in, uh, I've just gotten a lot of reports from righties I've faced in years past and guys on my team and then on, you know, Miami guys that I faced during scrimmage and stuff there and everything, feedback. And they just tell me, you know, it kind of just gets on them. I hide the ball and then all of a sudden, boom, it's out of my hand and it's there. So, uh, and you know, I try to command my fastball the best I can. So I can go up, down, in and out. And then off that, you know, the slider. But then I start using the right and right change a little bit more last year, I feel like. So adding that to the repertoire, now they're not just waiting on two pitches. Now they have to respect the third. And, you know, that just kind of kind of plays really well. Was there was there somebody who convinced you to, to throw the change a little more? Or was that just something you did took upon yourself? Oh, as soon as I got over Cleveland, they, they told me to start throwing it a little bit more to righties and uh, show me, you know, all the analytics stuff and everything that they had on me. And from that moment on, I was like, all right. And I bought into it and, you know, ended up paying off. Does analytics make sense to you? Do you, do you Some put, of it. Can, yeah. <laughs> can you break it down and Some make it, it does. for you? Hmm? Is that the key to, to just to find, like, a couple numbers or a couple segments that make sense to you and make it, you'll boil it down and make it work for you. Yeah. So you got to take everything, you know, with a grain of salt because there's a lot of numbers out there. There's a lot of, you know, moving parts with the analytic group and stuff like that. So they might throw a lot at you. They might throw like, let's just say, let's use paper. They might throw a 10 page document at you, but you might only want, you know, a paragraph here and a paragraph there. And that's all you need to make sense of it. And that's kind of, you know, what they did with me. They gave me all the information I needed. And then I took what 
they gave me and was like, okay, I can use this, this, and this, and I understand that. And that's where I'm going to go with it and just kind of took off from there. So, you know, it's, it's just pick and choose. You got to know what to use and what not to use and what numbers are helpful and what's just, you know, out there as a number. All right. Well, uh, you know, anybody who's followed you or followed the Indians, uh, Twitter account on social media, uh, has has definitely seen the video. I, I believe uh, it was a video your wife shared from. Uh, it was back in February. Uh, Jackson had the ball on the tee. He took one swing, and and he got you good right in the uh, right in the face. Oh, yeah. uh, have have we? It's been been a few months since then. Have we have we developed any more on the swing? Are we looking at a, a four hitter, a power hitter here, uh, or, or where where is he going to fall? And have you purchased any equipment to protect yourself? in your further dealings in development with uh, the uh, young prodigy? No, I haven't purchased anything yet, but did you see the other video that I, I, I think he, he got Ashley as well, didn't he? Well, that he got Ashley literally like three hours before he got me. <laughs> got Ashley and then oh you're you know, talking about the home the surveillance video where he yes I'm yeah, talking about that video <laughs> oh man and, well, I okay anybody equipment <laughs> anybody uh, totally different kind of equipment you need to buy any yeah. uh, any dads of 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 young sons will know that uh flailing and and swinging and things get hit that shouldn't get hit and you got you got good video of that one Nick I got to tell you that was yeah well, it, it doesn't help that. It just made it all the more funny when Ash and I, right before it, we're literally talking about, you know, oh, hey, Jackson, you want a sibling? What What do you think about, you know, <laughs> do you want to be an older brother? And, you know, we kind of laughed just, you know, talking about that. And then I turned to Ash and, you know, talking to her, and you watch him. He literally goes straight for the club, grabs oh, and man. comes straight up to me. <laughs> ain't gonna be no, ain't gonna be no brothers. I ain't sharing. Yeah, that's, that's it. You bring up a good point, though, Nick. Uh, you wonder uh, how many, how many uh, of these coronavirus uh, pandemic isolation uh, quarantine babies we might be seeing in clubhouses in, in the next season. How many, how many games are going to be missed uh, to the the paternity list? Uh, it's it, it could be a dangerous thing for some of these clubs. It, it, I mean, if you. Let's see, let's see math right now. Uh, if, you, if it was conceived at the very beginning of it, then I feel like you, you'll be good. Later but on, in the, yeah, later on in the season, it might be all right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, wow. All right, well, Nick, you know, I, hopefully we, we get to a point where we, we're back in Arizona and then, you know, back here in Cleveland watching you guys play uh, this season. But uh, either way, you know, just, you know, continued success and, and hope, uh, you know, you stay healthy and stay safe uh, before that. Uh, it, again, uh, it's great to talk to you. Thanks for doing this, Nick. And You're welcome, uh, you guys. Hopefully, uh, you. you know, you guys and your family are all all well and just staying away from any We're harm. In there. Virus. <laughs> We're trying real hard. All right, well, we'll catch up with you guys again Thank next you. time on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. All right, see you guys. See you. Thanks, Nick.